0: As we wrap up this short series, this month long of series in in Revelation, mainly in Revelation 19, I want to ask you, for what do you anticipate? What is there that you just see yourself looking forward to with eagerness, with expectation, a longing for? Parents, this is that time of year where you anticipate the beginning of the first day of school. Kids, your day will come in 180 days when you anticipate the last day of school. Maybe you're transitioning in life, and maybe you've been anticipating arriving at the campus of Marietta College or Ohio University or a WVUP uh, for, for, for years, and it's finally happened. Maybe you are looking forward to, or you remember when you were anticipating the arrival of a new family member of a new baby to be able to hold uh, and, and, and to, to add to, to, your, to, to your family. Maybe you're Thinking about some anniversary or uh, a retirement or a birthday party, or what is it that you anticipate this morning? Ever since I was little, I've anticipated going to the mountains with Dad or now with Randy or Mike or whoever, and you anticipate, and as you drive out of past Buchanan and you start to see the Tigert River there, you start to anticipate just being in the stream. I remember as a little kid going to Cincinnati to ball games, and at the time you had to go Columbia Parkway. It was the only way to get there. So you're going around the hillside, and eventually you come up over a rise, and there in front of you, like it's this big uh, spaceship that landed on the river. was Riverfront Stadium, and it was just a glorious scene. But I anticipated that all the time, being able to see that. So maybe it's, guys, that day that you were standing at the front of a church uh, building when you saw the doors in the back open and you anticipated the beauty of your bride coming down that that aisle as your knees were knocking uh, together as you began the next chapter in your life. Maybe it's birthdays or retirement, anniversaries, reunion. Maybe it's Christmas. For the foreman's, it was Christmas. I've shared with you guys before that my mom is a Christmas nut. She goes, there was four of us, and that, we thought that was pretty amazing, but then we all got married, so now there's eight of us, and then we all had kids and one grandkid, and you should see Christmas morning. My middle sister, I have three sisters, and Sarah was the middle, and she caught this anticipation bug early on. Uh, We weren't allowed to get out of bed on Christmas morning until six o'clock, and then you were only allowed to touch the stockings. You weren't allowed to touch anything under the tree. You could fiddle with the stuff in the stockings until mom and dad let you wake them up at 6.30 uh, to start digging in uh, to what was underneath. But starting at like midnight, uh, Sarah would make regular uh, visits to your room, knocking on the door, saying, hey, did you see? this I'm like no we haven't seen it we've been in bed and every 20 minutes throughout that night she was anticipating christmas morning there's a presbyterian minister named h s laird who was sitting beside the bed where his father a man of god was quickly approaching the end of his life on earth and the son asked his dad dad how do you feel and dad's response was son i feel like a little boy on christmas eve that anticipation of what is next. And as believers, church, we can reply the same way. I feel like a little kid on Christmas Eve with anticipation for what is to come. I don't know if you like to read, I do, and I don't read a lot of, um, a lot of fiction, um, but one of my favorite fiction series is the Narnia series, the Chronicles of Narnia. And in that last, ser- last book in that series, The Last Battle, C.S. Lewis paints this amazing, beautiful picture of the eternal heaven. Two of the main characters in that book are Jill and Eustace, and they were traveling on a train, and something happened that catapulted them in to the world of Narnia where they had all of these adventures and saw some beautiful things and experienced some amazing things. And at the, at the end of this journey, as they sense the end of that journey coming, they're afraid that they're going to be put back where they, where they started this before they were in the Narnia. And that's the point when Aslan, that great lion King comes and tells them that what happened when you were catapulted from that train into Narnia was a train wreck. And all of your loved ones, including yourselves, I met your earthly demise there. But don't worry, you're not going back there. In one of the most beautiful, I think, paragraphs written in literature, he concludes his story this way. And as he, Aslan, spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, This is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after, but for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Man, what beautiful words talking about something that is coming for these characters in this story. But church, as believers, we can anticipate also a future in which every chapter, every season is better than the one before. I want you to think, if you're a believer this morning, I want you to take a journey backward with me. I want you to think and try to remember that time before that you had accepted Jesus, right? To use the language that we've used here uh, frequently, you were, you were lost. You might've been seeking. You might have been resistant to God. You may have been, uh, there's a God out there, but I'm not sure he's concerned about me. But something happened in your life that got your attention. That Holy Spirit, he reached in and he, he, he grabbed you. He convicted you of your sin and he changed you and he brought you into a relationship with the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And at that point, you became a believer. And at that point, you turned the page and the chapter was much better than the one that you just finished. You were no longer bound by the consequences of your sin because Jesus took those. And as you went from a new believer to and you became more and more reliant and obedient on Jesus as day by day and, and week by week and month by month and year by year went on, you were changed more and more into the image of the one that you served. You looked more and more like Jesus. And as you turn the pages of those chapters in your life, you realize that the one that you are now reading was better than the one that was before because you realize with increasing intensity in your life that sin was losing its power over you. And then one day, Jesus will return for his church, for his bride, for us, and that page will be turned into yet another chapter. And this chapter will be magnificently better than any before. A chapter and an eternity where sin just doesn't have any power over you, but doesn't even exist. It's been eradicated where mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, has been banned, where sickness is extinct, where relationships are perfect forever, where death can never sneak in and steal again. And as believers, we should live daily, live boldly in this anticipation. Four things that I want to share with you this morning quickly. Four reasons why we can't anticipate. And the first one is that we can anticipate eternity in heaven because of the beauty that awaits us there. Now, you have to use your imagination when someone like the Kluar, the when a family like the Kluar reads Revelation 21 to you, and, and John is trying to explain what he is seeing in human terms. You have to let your imagination run wild All of Revelation has been giving us glimpses into eternity and it seems that these last three, four chapters of Revelation are just pouring it on thick, giving us a picture of what is to come. Evil is going to be dealt with and now beauty and perfection and power and eternity is at hand. And he's trying to give us in the best terms possible, even led by the Holy Spirit to explain and describe to us what is coming for us. And it is beautiful. It's described as a new heaven and a new earth. It's described as a holy city, as a bride adorned for her husband. All things are new. Talking about the glory of God and trying to describe in human words, the glory of God. So he uses this idea of a great high mountain of a holy city coming down. Describing it using the most precious jewels on earth, radiance like a rare jewel, like jasper, as clear as crystal, gold and sapphire, onyx, carnelian, topaz, amethyst, among others, things which we could never purchase because of their value. There's a river of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God, flowing from the, the Lamb. There's trees there, and these trees are described as, as having 12 different fruits hanging off of them, showing its completeness. And the, the leaves are described as healing the nations, because in the presence of God in eternity, there will be healing for every illness that we experience on this earth, everything. I want you for a second just to imagine the most amazing, beautiful place you have ever seen on this planet. And I want you to know that what you will witness in eternity dwarfs that. We can be anticipating today because of the beauty that awaits us. We can also anticipate because of what will be there. All throughout Revelation, 50 times throughout Revelation is the idea of worship, whether that's bowing down, whether that's lifting hands in praise, whether that's saying hallelujah over and over and over. This worship of this great multitude that includes the people of God from all ages, from Israel to the church, all those who have put their faith in God, because it has always been about faith in God. And that that great host being added into this angelic host that is worshiping God. Those who have been beheaded and killed because of their testimony are there. Those who have not bowed a knee to the beast are there. Those who have conquered are receiving their heritage the spring of the water of life the river of life the nations that is consisting of all those who have put who have had their names written in the lamb's book of life will be there we can't anticipate eternity because of what will be there and we can also anticipate eternity because of what will not be there last week we talked about this unholy trinity of the dragon and the two beasts the one from the sea the one from the land and what they represented uh, how there was a, a fake God who resembled God at times, but was leading us down a path of destruction. Uh, about these beasts that came and their sole purpose was to shed light and to lead people to worship the false God. Well, you know what? That, that beast, that, that, that antichrist has been captured. He won't be in eternity. That, that, that false prophet been thrown into a lake of fire. He won't be in eternity trying to deceive you. That, that dragon, <laughs> Satan himself, won't be there. He's been defeated and thrown into the abyss. The, the, the kings of the earth who, who lead us astray, who want us to worship them rather than the one true God, not there. Anything evil, not there. Anything accursed, nope. 21.7 says, anything that is unclean, detestable, false, won't be there. There will be no death, all mourning has passed, all crying has passed, all pain has passed, all of those gone. Imagine a world where sin does not even exist. We can anticipate heaven because of what will not be there. But there's a couple other things that won't be there either. Hey, there will be no temple in eternity. There will be no sun or moon to give us light in eternity. And that leads us to the fourth thing that we can anticipate because of of who is there. You see, there's gonna be this vast multitude of believers who will be there worshiping forever, living in perfection forever, but there won't be a temple. Why? Because no longer will God need a place to come down and be with his people. It started off with the Garden of Eden, and then it went to the tabernacle, and, uh, and then it went to the temple. And now we have church buildings in which God meets with his people when they assemble. One day we will not need a meeting place because God's dwelling place will be with us forever. Day, and I almost said day and night, but we already said there won't be any night. So day and day he will be there. His dwelling place will be with us There will be no, I want you to just imagine this, there will be no need for sun or for moon so that we can see in the day or make our way around at night because the the glory of God will give light to everything in eternity. Jesus is referred to in chapter 19 as faithful and true. He will be there. God's dwelling place will be there. Us with him and him with us for all eternity. That alpha and the omega, he's there. The beginning and the end, we get to gaze upon his face for all eternity. We can anticipate heaven because of who is there. This coming joy promised in both the, the lamb's marriage to the bride and in his marriage supper is more than we can digest. It's just something we can't wrap our minds around completely. To read in chapter 21 about all these jewels and what the city looks like and um In the brilliance that is there, we can't comprehend it fully. Our passions and the desires in this life are weak. So John is encouraging us to hold on, to have faith, and he wants us to imagine a future in which our delight in God is maximized. Every low point in this world, in this life, is an avenue of grace to realize just how amazing he is. Every joy on this earth, every wedding, every feast, every celebration just points us to something even more fantastic, even more exquisite, And God encourages us to prepare ourselves by following Jesus so we can enjoy the coming feast. So our hearts will sing like they never have before. So we can have joy and laughter like we never have before. So that that joy, so that that laughter, so that that worship can be unstained by sin for all eternity. I'm at 51 years old. I've been able to see some pretty cool things. I love being on a mission trip in Guatemala and standing up on the mountain, looking out over the jungle at a sun, sunset, and just how beautiful and how big God was. I've been able to stand on both of our coasts and see a sunrise and a sunset, and just how amazing it was with the waves and the beautiful colors. And whether it's standing knee-deep in a West Virginia stream or or in, in a Montana River in the, in the mountains. God's creation is amazing. It was in Canada and being able to see the Northern Lights so bright that you almost had to put your sunglasses back on. This cre- this world has some amazing things for us to enjoy, but there's a future place, an eternal dwelling, that far exceeds anything that this earth can hold. Heaven is not a mythical place. It's not some made-up story. Uh, it, it's the holy dwelling place of God Most High. And we can't even begin to comprehend how amazing it's going to be. The Bible capture, tries to capture our imaginations and just has, us, uh, has our imaginations running wild with the most precious of jewels, the most precious of elements, and all of creation singing praises to God. This is our eternal destination. We can't anticipate it because of the beauty that is described in God's word. We can anticipate it because of what will be there and what will not be there. And we should anticipate it because of who will be there. The creator, the chaser after us, the sacrifice that came, and the king who defeated sin and death for us will be there for all eternity church this morning, I want to ask you, has life beaten you up? Do you join the souls that you can read about in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 10 that are crying out, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will you wait before you judge and avenge, avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Are you crying out to God? Uh, has, Has life beaten you up? Has it just handed you disappointment after disappointment, pain after pain, trial after trial? Are you crying out, how long, oh Lord, before you come back to rescue, to restore, to redeem? And if that's you, if you're battered and bruised, I encourage you to hold on, to keep your focus, to anticipate what is to come, because it will be monumentally and supernaturally better than anything this world can offer. Do you love this life? Do you feel that God has just shown light on you for the, end, for the duration of your life? That he has just keep blessing after blessing after blessing on you. Do, you? do you love this life? And if you love this life, I encourage you to do the same thing, to hold on, to make sure your focus, your worship is on the right place, the right person, because there is coming something that will exceed your wildest imagination, the marriage of the people of God. As the bride of Christ to our Savior. He portrays this as a, a transformed city, a new and a purified Jerusalem, a safe and secure place that is indescribably beauty. He describes it as a temple showing that God will dwell there forever. He, he shows it that as Lewis showed us, He Lewis wets our appetite a little bit. That it's just the beginning of one great story where every chapter is better than the one before. John reminds us of that in different terms. He reminds us that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more, neither will there be mourning or crying nor pain or any more for the former things have passed away. He reminds us that we will see his face and that his name will appear on our foreheads and the night will be no more. There'll be no need for light or lamp or sun or moon for the Lord God will be their light and we will reign with him forever and ever. We anticipate because of the beauty that is going to be there. We anticipate because of what is going to be there, perfection and what is not going to be there, anything evil. And we anticipate because of who we get to spend eternity with, the one who created you the one who chased you down, the one who died for you, the one who resurrected for you. That is what we have to anticipate.